This episode of Heavy Cardboard is brought to you from the great folks over at Gamesurplus.com, bringing the world of board games to you. Now, on to the show. Heavy Cardboard, Episode 95, Quantitative Paleontology. Coming to you from the Cretaceous Bank in Denver, Colorado, welcome to Heavy Cardboard, where we talk medium and heavy strategy board games, war games, 18xx, and other related topics in the board gaming hobby. We're your hosts, I'm Edward. And I'm Amanda. And the advent keeps on rolling. It does, but we're almost done. Yep. And just because I thought 26 live streams in 24 days wasn't enough, yesterday I decided, you know what? I don't feel like working, so I'm going to work. <laughs> so I decided to do a uh, impromptu Ask the Elephant mm-hmm. that went on for a couple hours. And even so. I didn't know it was happening. Right. Well, I didn't either until I decided, you know what? I don't feel like <laughs> doing the behind the scenes stuff right now. So... This way I can justify it and, oh, yeah, I'm working. Okay. So we'll make it 27 live streams in 24 days. Craziness. Tonight is, so we're recording this on Wednesday. Mm -hmm. So tonight is Age of Steam, Washington, D.C. Right. So looking forward to that. That'll be fun. Yeah, I haven't played this one, so I'm looking forward to it. I always do terribly the first time I play an Age of Steam map, so... So thank you for playing already. All right, just preemptively, <laughs> hours before we even start. Just I might have like I should just like face plant into fifteen shares and be done with it. Because All right, that's well, what will happen. All right, done. All right. <laughs> so speaking of the advent and what's going to happen after the advent, nothing. Nothing. Nothing new, anyway. Yeah, we're gonna. The show's gonna go dark for a week from Christmas, December twenty fifth through. January 2nd, there will be nothing scheduled. We may decide to do something, whether it's for the YouTube channel, whether it's for the podcast. We don't know. But if we don't, we're not going to. No. We kind of figure we've done enough content over the course of December to take a little time off. Yes. Enjoy the holidays. So that plus it allows us to catch up and do everything that we need to do. Uh, to get ready for the new year and hit the ground running. So, speaking of Christmas time, 60 degrees today, yeah. Denver, Colorado. But tomorrow is about one to three inches of snow, a high of 20. Right, low of six. Yeah. Go home, Denver. You're drunk That's, again. Welcome to Denver. So, yeah. But you know what? It was a nice day. It was, it was. beautiful. It was nice to have you home and hmm. have a day off. It's nice to be home. And... Okay, get ready for the cold. Yeah. We, we, we fueled up the car so did. you didn't have to mess with it. I saw that I had half a tank and I was like, I really would rather fuel it up when it's 60 outside rather than when it's in the six. middle of the night, right. six degrees and snowing. So. so, yeah. Plus, there's supposed to be snow for Christmas Eve. Yeah. So that'll be nice, right? Yes. All right, cool. Well, I mean, it's still, you know, a handful of days out. So we'll see if that right. comes to be. But nonetheless, that is the weather it should be for Christmas. Absolutely. Then again, if you're listening to this down in Australia, you're like, what do you mean, dude? Surf's up. Yeah. So, yeah, right. You know what we're talking about. So, in some a news little brief, Mm -hmm. Patreon listened. They did. Patreon decided to reverse course, and the owner of of Patreon said, you know what? We heard you, and we realized we screwed up, and we're not going to change things like we said we were going to. Thank goodness. all creators worldwide who use Patreon rejoiced. rejoiced. <laughs> it was a Christmas miracle. Yeah, no, I'm I'm very glad they owned it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they completely owned it, and they said, you know what, we made a mistake. We're going to uh, include you guys, and by you guys, I mean creators uh, in the future, and we're not going to do uh, huge changes like this without having spoken with you guys and and touch base and all that first so somebody asked me during the uh, ask the elephant yesterday does this make me trust patreon less and i said no everybody's entitled to a second chance however that doesn't mean we're not going to prepare in case Mm -hmm. something like that were to come down so more on that later but as it is right now just really really glad Mm -hmm. 
that all the changing of the fees and offloading that to the patrons themselves is not happening. Yes. So continues business as normal. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes, thank you so much. Whew. So it's the end of the year, right? Yeah. Which means for every single other show out there, it just about top tens right or end or of year list anything right of... just end of year lists so you know what you're not gonna get from us end of year lists yeah we don't do that no we really don't because there's just too many games still to play to check out to review and play through before we could possibly give a best of mm-hmm. I never understood how you can do a list having not played most of the games yeah, yet because let's face it we've been live streaming every single day in December. And there's still a pile of stuff we Mm -hmm. haven't gotten to. So, yeah, there's not going to be an end-of-year list coming from us. And that's also why the Golden Elephant Award finalists aren't announced till April and the winners are announced at HeavyCon in Mm -hmm. May. Makes sense to me. Yeah, me too. Because you just, you need more time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, with Essen being basically right around Halloween, uh -uh, uh-uh. You know, if, if if a convention that, released games that were more in our you know right in our wheelhouse like Essen if that was in April or something then sure yeah but I, I would near think the so. end of the year that would that's difficult but yeah I, I've seen a bunch of top 10 lists and all this stuff yet and I just kind of shake my yeah, head Yeah, it's not even Christmas and some people are already doing top no, lists. hey hey knock themselves out yeah. it's whatever they want I just it, it just strikes me as odd yeah. that I mean we could not do it justice because Mm-mm. there are just too many games we haven't played yet Speaking of HeavyCon, invites should be going out within the next 24 hours of you guys hearing this if they're not already out. So the goal is to have them out by close of business on Friday, at least the first wave of them. So Merry Christmas to those that get invites. (laughs) I guess the only kind of year in review type of thing that we would do is what we're about to do, which is like kind of going over a little bit of numbers and how heavy cardboard has grown in 2017. Yeah, I didn't do a comparative like comparing last year to this year because we actually changed podcast hosting and all Mm -hmm. that. So it's kind of out the window, but we did it in early like, I want to say it was in January. No, we did it in October, actually, of last year. Oh, okay, okay, okay. However, some numbers. For this year, just to put things in context, because usually people don't talk about this type <laughs> stuff, and I'm curious, oh, so yeah. I imagine others are. So we have right at, and obviously we're we're only two thirds of the way through December, so whatever. But we're right at about six hundred thousand downloads of the show for the year. We have twelve thousand subscribers to the podcast, and our most downloaded episode in the entire calendar year. What do you think it was? Our top 15? Nope. Although that was up there. Yeah. I will say that. No, it was episode 61, Terraforming Mars. That makes sense. And that also was the first episode released in 2017 also. So it's it's had the most time out there. True. And and Terraforming Mars is kind of like, oh, oh. Right, right. So I thought it was interesting to see that. But then again, I was like, well, hmm. But there were, like, Lisboa, episode 80 was up there Mm -hmm. for most downloaded episodes. Mm. That would definitely be in the top, like, six or seven. Nice, yeah. So it's not all the episodes that were released in January. Right, it's not all the old stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's for the podcast. For the YouTube channel. Hang on, before you say that, everybody just picture what you think my face looks like. Whenever he said 600,000 downloads, just think about what my face looked like and how white I turned. (laughs) And you're most likely exactly on point as to what I look like. Okay, continue. (laughs) So for the YouTube channel, which started on February 13th, at least those are the numbers that I went back to because that's when we started live streaming. Yes. Eight million minutes watched of the live stream, 400,000 views. I feel like that's pretty good for a brand new channel. Again, with the face. 5,400 subscribers. Literally just hit yeah. 5,400. So that's kind of cool. Our most watched. What do you think? Both in number of views. And time. And and number of minutes. They're, oh. they're two different videos, actually. Okay. Number of views, I'm going to say, oh, is Food Chain Magnate. Excellent. Well done. Eight or 11,400 views wow. thereabouts. 
and, and minutes. Then, and then the second was just behind was Brass Lancashire mm-hmm. with right at 11,000. So, okay. All right. And minutes. Yep. And the answer to this, though, is 300,000 minutes watched of this next video. So what do you I'm think I'm going to say is? 1846. Fair, fair take, but no. Mm. And we, this kind of surprises me because this is a more recent video playthrough. Mm-hmm. What's your all-time favorite game? What's my all-time what? favorite game? Yep. Through the ages. Wow. Our most watched video in number of minutes. That's just, awesome. Just over 300,000 minutes huh. watched. That means most people watch the whole thing. That's or what at that least tells watched me. a lot of yeah, it. And that that's was why, a long stream. That's why I thought 1846, because I would figure long a long yeah, game and people sense. watch the whole yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, So, yeah. That's anyway. really neat. Yeah. I like hearing that stuff. So, cool. thought you guys might want a little, you know, ooh, I, well, again, I'm analytical, so I like numbers and stuff. Right. And there you go. So, there you go. That's Heavy Cardboard in 2017. More lists to come next year for this year. So what have we been playing? Well, I don't know about you, but I've been on. I, I've been playing a lot of live stream games. Uh, me too. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Combat Commander, Kalis, Rajas of the Ganges, Heaven and Ale, Viticulture, and Altiplano this week. Wow. Pretty cool. A good mix of stuff there. Yeah, it's not not all fillers, and it's not all heavy games. It's just a bunch of. A whole bunch of good stuff. Yeah, and Combat Commander was a hoot. Oh boy! Yeah, like I said in chat and stuff. Like I heard this gigantic whoop, and then so I knew I had needed to pay attention to the stream in about ten seconds and saw like what happened. It was that happened a few times. That was really fun to watch that stream. And the hardest I've laughed in the calendar year 2017 was on Monday during the Kalis stream. You're gonna have to figure out why. Yeah. So slip of the tongue. Pretty funny, though. (laughs) Woo! Lots of fun. Big thank you to our sponsor, BoardGameTables.com. If you're in the market for a customized, one-of-a-kind board game table, go check them out, BoardGameTables.com. All right, so we're doing something... A little bit different tonight. Yeah. So we have a couple of games that we're going to feature slash extended trailer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, something like that. So a couple of games, um, as you could tell by the name of the show, that we didn't think we could fill up an entire show. So it's so nice. We're going to do it twice. Yeah. So we have Lagerstatten and QE, mm-hmm. Quantitative Easing. Mm-hmm. So what one you want to go with first? Let's do QE. Okay. All right, so QE, quantitative easing. Mm-hmm. I had no idea. I'd never heard that term in my entire I life. I had no clue Gen what. Con. Yeah, no, no, I didn't know what it was until we were eating dinner at Essen with the big with the Schweinsoxa, and Clay said it was quantitative easing, and I looked at him with this dumb look on my face, and he was like, "What?" Like I had no idea what that even meant or what it was, and then he kind of explained it, and I was like. Oh, okay. Then the game makes <laughs> the right. game makes sense. Okay. All right. So QE it was designed in and published in 2017 by Gavin Birnbaum. The artwork is also by Gavin as well as the woodwork. Yeah, publisher, wood design, craftsmanship, craftsmanship. Of... Published by Gavin's own Cubico Games. Plays three to four people in about 45 minutes to an hour. Currently unavailable, but Gavin is. Weighing interest in having another Kickstarter. Actually, he has confirmed he's going to have two more Kickstarters at a minimum for the game because uh, the response from the live stream was so good. He had over 100 people email him. So if when we're all done, if you want to go check out the live stream, Mm -hmm. you can do so. But if you hear the review and you're interested in possibly getting a copy of it, you need to email Gavin at cubico.games, C-U-B-I-K-O dot games at outlook.com. And we'll link it to, uh, we'll link it in, it the, in show the show notes, yeah. notes, right? So yeah, so remember that if you want to get in line to be able to get a copy of this because these are all handcrafted wooden component mm-hmm. games. And as far as uh, plays, I, I have four of the games 
under my belt now, both at three and four players, which is what the game is rated to mm-hmm. play at three and four. And uh, Gavin was actually in the live stream, and he was like, yeah, it wouldn't really work as a solo or two-player no. game. So that's why he did three and four. All right. So tell folks QE, what it is, and why they care. Financial crisis has occurred. Uh-oh. <laughs> 16 too-big-to-fail companies from four countries need bailing out. Stop me if you've heard this before. <laughs> the central banks have unlimited financial resources, so lots of money is going to be printed. But the central banks also face disaster. Print too much money, and the country they represent goes bust. Not that that happened in the live stream. Of course not. In QE, you play the role of a central bank. You bid on different size companies to accumulate a various levels of victory points. The amount you bid is unlimited since you are the central bank and you own the printing press. Just print as much money as you want. <laughs> so after the initial open bid by the lead player, the other players bid in secret. After the 16 companies have been bailed out, bonus victory points are awarded for company sets of nationalization, monopolization, and diversification. However, whoever has printed the most money at the end of the game... Automatically out. Ouch. Yes. And that's where the elbows and the teeth come in. <laughs> All right. So what what about the game gives it the weight? Well, it's certainly not the complexity. No. Because you can explain this game in under 10 minutes. It may have taken me longer on the stream. Doesn't matter. So the rules here, very, very simple. Mm-hmm. You're going to be bidding in secret. And whoever uh, the first player is going to put out their bid, that's going to be open information. Everybody else bids in secret. The player, the start, the the active player looks at all the bids and just marks on the actual tile who the highest bidder was and how much it was, and they give it back. All right, cool. Keep it in front of mm-hmm. you, and then it's just set collection. Yeah. So the rules not hard here at all. Not no. even a tiny bit hard. No, it. The weight does not come from that at all. It comes from the psychology of making those auctions, making yeah, those so bids. The, so the level of planning that's involved in this game also isn't terribly high because everybody's represented by a country and they all have a manufacturing tile that represents like the, the manufacturing t- uh, companies that they want to get more of for set mm-hmm. collection, right? But even then... You can only plan so much because mm-hmm. you need to you need to gauge how the market is trending. Mm-hmm. And by the market, I mean, what are people bidding for in amounts for these companies? And each of these companies is worth some amount of victory points as well that are printed on them. But how can you plan with that? I it, don't it's know. really, really hard to be able to do it. So the craziness here is... If you go through the five characteristics that we think give a game its weight, complexity, no. Mm-hmm. Planning, no. Nah. Luck, well, there is none. Nah. It, just what, what order the companies come in, there's a little bit of randomness. But even then, it's broken up into four different sets of four auctions. So there there's randomness within that. But you know each type of company is going to come out once per set of Mm -hmm. four auctions so it's not there it's not the game length because the game plays in well under an hour and the getting it takes about an auction yeah to understand it so it's none of those so with this one i think you're right that it's all about the psychology Mm -hmm. and whole meta i know that you know that i know that you know and trying to set the prices and then try and get other people to pay more, even though it's a blind bid. Right. So if it's it's just so interesting because you want to try to spend the least amount possible, obviously. But you also have to take into account what other people around the table have already paid. So, so maybe you might be able to pay a little bit more because you know you've paid a little less overall than the person across the table has. So it's just, it's the, you know that I know that you know that I know that I know that and you know. And at the same time, you also have to be able to outbid other people because you need those tiles. Without tiles, you're not scoring any points. And everything is secret. Right. But except it's, the opening bid. But it's... It's secret, like the amounts they bid, but you know that, okay, I know I bid 55 right. and I, for this tile, and, and I, I didn't win. Yeah. So, okay, that means Ash over there, well, I know he paid more than 55, right. so it's 
it's guesstimation, but you kind of, yeah, you, you have a good base kind of of what it possibly could but be. But it could have been he went way out of the water exactly. and I bid 55, he bid 90. Yeah. yeah you don't know that. Right. And so, however, you get to look at the uh, at what people bid every fourth mm-hmm. auction. So you get to see a quarter of the information. And I think that that there's your weight. That is... It's all deductive reasoning mm-hmm. and inductive reasoning, and it's it's playing the players, and it's that's where the game's weight comes from because it's not a heavy game, but oh my, is it clever? Yes, that it, yeah, it's just it's not you know like our normal brain burny heavy fare, but it's very like you said very clever and very and very brain burning in but its in own a different way. way. Yeah. Right. So what would midweight game lightweight game i would say i said midweight just because of the the psychology of it yeah i think so i think you're right um it's definitely on the lighter scale of things um because it's just there's just not a lot of moving parts here Mm -hmm. and you're doing the same thing 16 times but yeah i guess on the light side of medium but Mm -hmm. but you can it's all how many layers deep do you want yeah, to go seriously. and how many layers deep do you think your opponents are going to go in the level of thinking? That is what determines its weight. Because yeah, if I, you, I think so. If, if four people sit down and they are just going to be very straightforward and just bid whatever they, you know, not even really thinking about it or putting any thought behind anything. You can do so, but it removes a lot of the game yeah, from the game. That is going to be a completely different game than... If for people that n- have played it before or n- understand the circumstances of the game or whatever, they're going to play it completely differently. And how well you know the other players at the table. That's also a big thing, too, because the chemistry and the years that you've known the people, that also makes a difference. I think it does. And it was really interesting because I, when I first played this at BGGCon, I played with James Nathan, a.k.a. The Stance. Mm-hmm. I played with Greg Silver, Silberman, who I know from just going to conventions yep. and also from HeavyCon, et cetera, et cetera. And then one complete stranger. And so you, I didn't really know how they were going to play. And so trying to evolve mm-hmm. my my tactics of how much and what to bid and when to bid. And also don't forget there's the no QE meaning, okay, I'm going to bid zero and once per set of four auction rounds, you can choose to essentially pass and score two victory points for uh, bidding no quantitative easing. Just I'm not printing money this year Mm -hmm. or that for this company, I'm not bailing this out. So yeah, it's, it's definitely, this might be the first variable weighted game that we've <laughs> yes. ever done. Yeah, it's weird to say, but yeah, that's, I think that is its weight. It's variable. It depends. So there's not really cardboard in the game. Nah, but the components are, are I mean, it's, it's all, it's it's all a, handmade wood. It's a big block of wood. Yeah, it's it, literally, it's, it's about like, I don't know, 10 inches by 10 mm-hmm. inches, 8 inches by 8 inches square butcher block of wood yeah. that's been... Engraved, laser engraved, cut, laser cut, right? With uh, with just very basic information mm-hmm. on where to put the tiles and a score track around yeah. the outside, and then everybody has there are um, laser laser cut wood and engraved with that laser. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't want to call it laser burnt, but it's it, that's. Kind of, I mean, it it has a burned look to it, but right, I don't, in, in a good way. Yeah, though. yeah, yeah. But uh, but yeah, they're all they're all laser cut. Um, with the the different industries, the different countries, and then the tiles themselves are all laser cut uh, with the information mm-hmm. from victory points, what country, et cetera, et cetera, and all that. And the cool thing about these is all of these are laminated. They're wood, yes. but they're laminated on one side, on mm-hmm. one side, so that you can use the dry erase markers to be able to place Which your bids so, and everything. That's really neat. Overproduced? Yes. Would this work? Is like. Just cardstock and and all that, yes. Sure, but, but that's not how Cubico Games is. No. So yeah, uh, the components very very high because mm-hmm. it's all wood. I mean, it's yeah. it's super super nice. It's really really cool. And the best part though, or one of the best parts, is the Q and the E. 
right, for the first player marker uh-huh. and who the active player marker yes. is. Completely extraneous. But awesome. The, so it's a hand cut Q letter, the letter QE, right? Except they're magnetized on one side. There's a little embedded magnet mm-hmm. to where you can hear them flick. That's awesome. And you put so the active the first player for each set of four rounds keeps the Q and the E passes around the table until it snap back yep. together. And that's your reminder. Oh, okay. I went first that first set. Now I'm going to go last because Amanda's going right. to go first. So she takes the Q and the E, does the first auction, then breaks and it, it up breaks and it gives up it. Yep. And the E, so on and so forth. So yes, completely extraneous, but awesome. Yes. And the amazing thing about this is. I for I think he said it was the cost on the Kickstarter. I forget was about thirty five something. Yeah, pounds. something. I, I, um, I don't know how he then, does that. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, totally for the amount of wood. Yeah, pretty impressed with that. So graphic design is really clear on this, and it's consistent. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's super consistent, simple, right? But it's the exact same on every tile. You don't, you know, it's if you have if your company is airplanes or aviation or whatever or or the the manufacturing that you're trying to right. go after right that's it cons- has an airplane it has an airplane and so do all of the tiles that you're bidding on and so it just it's not not difficult to follow no there this is very much a function with a very clean form because mm-hmm. there's no artwork in this None. game it's all wood engraved woodcut whatever uh and that's it mm-hmm. so there's really no artwork to speak of at on this at all the even the box cover has it's a, a cardboard box is with a, a sticker yeah with a sticker of the game yeah. the end the end that's, yeah that's it yeah. Very, very very simple um and the box size i'll be honest i didn't get it but it's super thin it's what uh maybe three inches thick mm-hmm. by about uh 10 inches wide by 10 inches so it's a square about three inch. It's just big enough to deep square to carry to hold the box. I mean to hold the the board and the the markers and stuff. And it's nothing outrageous. In the rule book, I hesitate to use the that term. The, the the rule page. <laughs> it's one page of rules, mm-hmm. and it has the scoring laminated on a little sheet of paper that's laminated by itself as well that's it uh yeah super simple yep super clean super easy it, it's almost winsome-esque really is in in pretty much every way except it's made out of wood mm-hmm. instead of cardstock yep the simplicity definitely echoes winsome and by simplicity you mean simplicity in design not mm-hmm. in the actual yeah gameplay, it, yes exactly right? And as far as setup, and t- I, I keep it all in the bag it came in. Mm-hmm. Dump it out, make piles, go. Yeah. I mean, really, really simple. Uh, as far as teaching, you just you you run through a round, explain how the mechanics work, and at the end of the game, whoever printed the most money loses. Okay, ready? Good. Let's restart. And play. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, it's really that simple. It's it's not hard at all. And to be honest with you, we've kind of already covered why we like the game i feel like because of the fact that it's all about manipulating other players and the psychology of how the bidding is working so everybody was bidding 50 60 70 100 yeah in our most recent game and then i was like you know what i'm going to put a bit of 10 out there as the starting bid with the intent of, okay, oh, they'll just pass. They don't need this tile. It's only worth a couple of victory points. Oh, but it's also worth more points with monopolization, nationalization, and all that for this other player. So, okay. So they might bid on it, but they haven't bid no QE yet, and they still want those two victory points. So maybe they'll go that. But what if they don't? (laughs) So if I bid really low at like 15... It's possible that somebody might anticipate that I'm going to do that since I'm going for all of you know the airplanes or whatever the the factory is. So then maybe I have to bid higher. But then they're going to know that. So they're going to not have to worry about that because I'm just going to try and outbid myself then. And so it's all these different layers of how deep do you want to go? And oh wait, no, Amanda just won that for fifteen. It, okay, it's right. like, eh, I love parfait. 
<laughs> so it's yeah, it's like an onion, right? Yeah, There's so just, many layers. Exactly. Uh, yeah, just a really really clever mm-hmm. game. And again, one game or an entire game based off of one mechanism. Fantastic. Yeah. And it's it's so simple. You wonder why other games haven't done why no one has done this mm-hmm. before. But to my knowledge, nobody has done this, and it made for an amazing what forty minute little filler that is just mind blowingly yeah. deep if you want it to be deep. But it doesn't have to be if you don't want it to be. You know, it can be one game when you're playing it with your parents, and another game when you're playing it with your friends. Right. So, is there anything about this that you don't like? Not really. I can't think of anything. Yeah, I'm. I, I struggled. With trying to come up with what do I not like? What the box is playing? I mean, yeah, I. It's amazing for for as simple as it is. It's gorgeous to look at. I mean, it's mm-hmm. a nice yeah nice piece of wood on the table, and it's super super simple. Uh yeah, I yeah I got nothing. I yeah. I hate to do that, but I really have nothing. Yeah. Um, it's a super small print run, so hardly anybody has copies mm-hmm. of this. I guess if we're going to list some sort of negative, there would be that. Yeah, that's literally, I, I, I don't know of anything else. Yeah, so that's it. So if you dig auction games and you dig Thinky Filler and you like highly overproduced for what it needs to be and you just want a really cool looking uh, game that you could throw down on the ca- on mm-hmm. the table when you have a spare 45 minutes with you know just about anybody across yeah. the board then highly recommend mm-hmm. checking out QE. So you got a rating for QE, ma'am? I don't yet. I don't okay. I don't feel like I have enough plays quite I, yet. I have no problem giving it a five. Okay. Uh, I am really, really smitten with this game. I was really anticipating this. It was high on my anticipation mm-hmm. for Essen. And, uh, yep, lived up to it. Did not <laughs> disappoint. Very Yay. happy. Very happy about the purchase. So, again... Cubico.games at Outlook.com if you want to get on the list. Yes. And that is QE. So now we've done the money part. Let's do the paleontology part. Let's. Lagerstatten, published in 2017, designed by Masaki Suga. Artwork by Sayori Shibata. And published by Analog Lunchbox, plays three to five players. Uh, the published playtime seventy-five to one hundred and twenty minutes. As far as availability and cost, sorry, <laughs> it's out of print. You should have just named this out of print. It's not too late, you know. <laughs> Only five hundred copies of this were printed, sold out at Essen. It's available on the secondary market for about seventy-five bucks. I know there have been some talk about somebody trying to pick this up. We'll see if that comes to be. But as it is right now, secondary market is your only bet. Yep. And as far as plays and player counts, I have four plays of it, and they've all been four and five players. Have not played it three players. However, when we get to scalability, I feel like we're going to be able to talk intelligently about Mm -hmm. the three player, even though we haven't played it. Yes, I would agree with that. All right. I have four as well with, I don't think I've played it with five, actually. I've only played it with four every time. Lagerstatten is the German word for veins of rock rich in fossils. And this term in Japanese is, I'm going to butcher it, but Kaseki Kumiyaku, I think is how. Anyway, go with it. (laughs) So it's a worker placement action selection game where players are trying to get the most research funding. Over the course of eight rounds, players are going to dig to obtain rock samples, prepare the samples to uncover fossils, present their findings at academic conferences, and either offer the complete specimen of dinosaurs to exhibits at museums or sell them to private collectors. Whomever has garnered the most research funding, a.k.a. victory points, at the end of eight rounds wins. So as far as complexity goes here, again... Much like QE, Mm -hmm. there's just not a lot here as far as rules overhead. The actual rule book that I'm looking at here, it's six pages long. And the first page, two, first three are all set up. Wow. And just 
you know, explanation <laughs> of, of the theme and everything. So the rule book is three pages and these are, it's a small rule book. Like physically, like it's not a full, you know, eight and a half by it's 11 like five sheet. by seven. Yeah. It's, it's, they're small. Mm-hmm. So again, rules complexity. Nope, nope. Not adding to the weight here at all. No. However, the planning, what do you think? Uh, yes. A lot. That is, that is the meat of this game. That not meat and bones, I suppose. <laughs> Uh. <laughs> you have to not only keep in mind what dinosaur you're wanting to build, but also keep in mind what dinosaurs other people are wanting to build so that you can thwart them and not allow them to get the pieces that they need. Right, because each of these dinosaurs come in different amounts of cards that you're going to be able to dig for. So the cards are two-sided, as most cards are. On one side, it's dirt. Right. And Mm -hmm. it's from three different periods. The other side, though, are different fossils. However, it's only part of a fossil. And this is where the set collection comes in Mm -hmm. here to where it's either half of a specimen, i.e. half of a dinosaur fossil, or it could be as little as a quarter of it. So each of these range, there's either two, three or four parts of a fossil. And so when you go digging, you're going to be digging after maybe a triceratops Mm -hmm. or a Arizonasaurus, which is a real dinosaur I learned in this game. Totes. So, but you're only going to have parts of them until you're able to collect more and mm-hmm. more parts of them. But one of the actions in the game is you get to, it's called fossil restoration, in which you're going to flip the fossils uh, that you or your dirt over, revealing what fossil is underneath it. You knew this. The other players didn't. But now, now we know what you're going after. Mm-hmm. So now we can try and thwart you. Yes. So there's some of that. But it's a worker placement game. And so you have to be able to plan out a lot of your actions to be based on what other people are doing. So there's that mix of strategic versus tactical planning yeah. that's going to come into play. And there's separate sections. There's six different sections that you place your uh, your bits on to your workers yeah, your or workers. your assistants. I yeah, think I think that's called. what they're called. So, but you do, everybody does that in turn order, but everybody does them and then you do the actions. A lot like dominant species to yeah. where there's a planning stage and then after that there's the resolution stage. Yes, and also like dominant species, you can have placed one of your workers on one section and then after you've done the Another one, you're like, oh, I really shouldn't have. Like, you want to switch what you did, but it's after. Exactly. Exactly. You want to switch what you did, but you're already halfway through the turn and you can't. Right. So, yeah, a fair bit of planning in this game for a straightforward, very, very uh, simplistic in a a lot of ways worker placement game. there's, There's still a fair bit of planning that comes into the game. So, then, as far as luck and random factors, well, there's. There's a fair bit mm-hmm, here mm-hmm. because you have the collector requests, first and foremost, which are recipe fulfillment. Hey, this collector wants a two-piece dinosaur from this period, whether it's the Cretaceous period or the Jurassic period or the Triassic period. Mm-hmm. And it specifies how many pieces of this uh, mm-hmm. dinosaur it must have. And there are different various dinosaurs from each period that have different numbers of of right. pieces to make a complete specimen. So you have the randomness of what those requests are going to be. Mm-hmm. Now, when you go to the collector request location, there's going to be either three, four, or five cards there. And if you're first, you get to look at them all and choose one. So it's not just a random draw off the top. Right. So at least there's that. But then there's the excavation location. So there's three different zones. There's a northern, a central, and a southern zone. And each of them have different layers of sediment, which totally thematic, totally makes sense here. And each one has a different number of cards for each type of sediment. Within Mm -hmm. each type of sediment are certain types of dinosaurs. Yes. So you know, and there's a really good player aid on the back of the rules that says, okay, so I know I have, say, two parts of this Apatosaurus, but I know that the Apatosaurus came from the Jurassic period. So then I look on the board, and there are, like I said, there are the three different zones. But 
of the Jurassic period, only the northern and southern zones have multiple layers of dirt, mm-hmm. i.e. cards, for that period. There's only one of that type in the central zone. So I'm probably going to focus on going into the northern and southern zones. However, they might not be there this turn. It's it's a random draw. But that's where the geological survey location comes in. And this is the only location on the board that you actually activate the moment you place a worker Mm -hmm. on. And it's... A diminishing value. So the player who goes first gets to look at all three stacks of cards. So they get to actually look at what fossils are in the dirt for all three locations. The second player gets to go through two. Mm -hmm. The third one gets to only go through one of them. Right. So if you're looking for a specific piece of a specific dinosaur. That's when you want to do that for sure. Right. You want to go looking in there because... It's totally random what cards get filled up Mm -hmm. into those three layers of dirt for each location. And those get refilled every turn. So those are the two main aspects of the randomness in this game are what dinosaurs are in in the given areas on a given turn. Because you don't know. It's a random draw. What period? And then there's the collector request that that change. Mm So I'm I'm going a little bit heavy-handed with describing this right now because that excavation is the heart of this game, Mm -hmm. and that's the thing that we're going to focus on on both the good and bad sides of this game, I feel like. So the game length, what do you think? I think it might overstay its welcome just a touch. Yeah, I I kind of have felt that as well, so I... I guess that would contribute to the weight, but not necessarily in a good way. Um, I feel like if it were six or seven turns as opposed to eight in most games, that Might would make be a, a better length. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so there's that. And then the getting it. Okay. For me, the getting it took... It took a good at least half to a full game. Really? It took that long? Because wrapping your brain around the different uh, mountain zones and and figure in realizing that certain dinosaurs are only in certain periods and certain zones have more cards of those periods and then also getting your your being able to collect those and then you know maybe giving up on one that you thought you really wanted to try to do and giving up on it because you know you're never going to be able to get those cards or someone else has because you can put out cards on you can play your cards out at like you can hold on I can hold on to mine but you may put yours out so I right. may oh be, you mean like at the fossil yeah. restor- restoration <laughs> so, just flipping them face right up. Gotcha. so I may be hoarding all of these you know triceratops that I'm trying to get but you're already almost completely done with the triceratops so it makes me think well maybe I really shouldn't even worry about doing that again you know so that's that's a part of it and that's that's one of the things that I struggled with the most was honestly really remembering what period things were in because I know it says on the back of the I know <laughs> he's he's showing me the rule book I know it says that but it still can get I mean you've met me I can get a little flustered all right fair enough yeah and for me it was pretty straightforward it was just Knowing when to use the geological survey to go fishing for or looking for specific dinosaurs. And when we haven't even talked about the academic conference location Mm-mm. yet as far as being able to go digging for other people's throwaways mm-hmm. or their discards and how how that can come into play on this as well. And I guess there's a fair bit of randomness because you don't know what other people have thrown mm-hmm. away. But... Overall, I would say no more than a couple of turns, usually maybe half a game. Yeah, yeah. About, like, about the half of the game is when I began to understand that stuff. And then later on is the collector requests and the museum ex- exhibitions. Because those can be, the museum exhibitions can be stolen from you. Yep, they can. And the first time you have that happens, a, a memorable lesson. Uh-huh. Do not let that happen again. And there's no in-game scoring, really. So... Mm-hmm. There's no gotcha moments. Like, Mm -mm. you don't have to explain. No, it's just, it's these things. And here you go. Off you go. Mm -hmm. So, overall, what would you say? I'd say it's a solid midway. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Euro. I I, I don't think there's there's anything too taxing here. No, not at at all. At all. Mm -mm. As far as the components, what do you think? The board is nice. 
and it's a small footprint. It is, but it there's it's Japanese, so it's very clear and clean. Yeah, it, it it's very minimalist. I think very. is a good way to describe the but, the graphic design yeah. and 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 the components yeah. as a whole, but right? Everything everything that you need to know is there, and it's very it's not just a big mishmash of stuff on the board. Even though the board's small, you can still clearly see everything and see what everything is and what it means. And, and it's everything. all grayscale outside of a couple of splashes yeah, of color like, here oh, and hi. there. Right, which I think makes it stand out even yeah, more. Yeah, makes you understand that, hey, those are probably pretty important because they're not black and white. But as far as the components themselves, the cards are fine cardstock. Mm-hmm. The board is a little bit of a almost print-and-play level board uh construction or as far as like the 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 weight of the board i feel like it's a little bit thin but not in a negative way it's just that's what it is yeah and all the discs are just wooden discs Mm -hmm. and it's just standard stuff yeah and other than that that that's pretty Mm -hmm. pretty much it so the box size very 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 small footprint yes it's eight and three quarters by just under six and a half inches by only an inch and a half thick or 22 by 16 by four centimeters. So it's a really small mm-hmm. footprint game. Nice to just kind of tuck up in the corner of one of your shelves that there's never any room for anything but something this small. Right. So graphic design, we kind of talked about it. It's very clean. It's mm-hmm. very consistent. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the three different types, the three different types of dirt or the periods, the Cretaceous, the Jurassic, and Triassic. They're all you can see their layers of dirt, but the backs of them are all very distinctive as mm-hmm. to what they are. Um, other than that, I, I there's just not a lot of graphic design no. that needs to happen. I feel like so well done for what's there. Yeah, for what's there. Good job. What about the artwork now? I really like the artwork. I really like the dinosaurs. Um, They're really cool looking because say you have um, a dinosaur that has two pieces. The the first card is going to be kind of filled in and then the back half of it that you need the other card for is there, but it's very faint. So you can still kind of see what what, what the, the second half, what the second look half looks like, like. Right. yeah and so then whenever you put them together then oh you magically have a dinosaur so, yeah I, and especially with the bigger dinosaurs when with it's the like four pieces four pieces yeah. it's just really cool to have those laid out it in is. your tableau yeah uh really beautiful artwork mm-hmm. again it's very minimalist but that's okay it yeah works. i don't feel like this needs anything else i feel like that with the way that the game plays and you know just with how small of a footprint it is and, and everything like that i feel like that the art goes perfectly with yeah, it. Yeah, it matches really, yeah. really well. And the box cover kind of looks like, I don't know, it kind of makes me think prototype, but not in, again, not in a negative way. It's a minimalist type design. Yeah, it looks like kind of like an instruction manual. It kind of does. Yeah, yeah. But I, it, it's what appealed to me. Mm-hmm. That and the theme on this game is what appealed to me to begin with. Yeah. So I guess there's definitely an affinity I have yeah. there. Now, as far as the rule book, I mentioned it's only six pages. Well, those six pages leave a little bit of to be desired as far as clarity. We had to fight through and infer some things. Mm -hmm. And there was a big discussion about whether or not if a collector wants a two-piece dinosaur, whether you can complete it with a three-piece dinosaur. And I actually emailed the publisher and asked them and they said, nope, it's got to be that exact thing. And so the way we think about it thematically is the collector just doesn't have room in his house mm-hmm. for a three-piece dinosaur. I keep thinking, like I'm picturing like a T-Rex. Like a three-piece suit? With, in a three-piece suit. In a bowler right. hat? Yeah, right? Just, anyway. <laughs> but So that makes sense, but that's not very... It, it's it, not clear, but it right. does make sense because, you know, if, if, if someone's wanting a three-piece dinosaur, that means they specifically have room for a three-piece dinosaur and a two is going to look funny and a four won't fit you know so right that's how i thought about it no and that makes sense but it, there's definitely a couple of holes in there that mm-hmm. we had to infer some things uh and then the academic conference because usually universally a slash a forward slash means either or mm-hmm. you either do this or you do that whereas in the academic conference the forward slash means no you do this first then you yeah. do that and so that and it wasn't crystal clear in the rules uh, it, to my in my reading mm-hmm. of it as well. But outside of those, it's six pages and three of which is set up in description. So it's it's not a big rule book to fight through yeah. at all. 
setup, teardown, and teaching is pretty simple. Uh, mm-hmm. Because it's a pretty simple worker placement, everybody gets their discs. You put your di- yeah, everybody gets those. You set up the decks of cards for the different excavation zones. And then you go through area by area explaining what the worker, what each action does, and the fact that those uh, trigger after placing all your worker discs outside of the geological survey and game on. I mean, it's mm-hmm. not a hard teach there either. Yeah. So things you dig about the game. The art, the puzzle of trying to put stuff together. You mean the recipe fulfillment, yeah. which is yeah. kind of really what, or set collection. Yeah. Whatever. One, either it's way. It's kind of one or the other. One, right. You know, um, I like, yes, it's frustrating, but I also like digging for you know, trying to get a match for my fossils. I like, you know, I've been searching the whole game for the second piece of this dinosaur. And, oh, my God, there it is. You know, that's Poker fun. face. No, wait. I haven't. I lo- went to the geological survey right. and saw it's there. But, nope. Nah, nah. I'm not interested in the central zone at all. Oh, my God. Yes, I am. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and the... The end game, like you said, there since there's not any scoring, you you know where you are the whole time. Yeah, it's you're you're pegging out the research funds, i.e., victory points the whole way. So you there's no hidden information as far as that goes. You know, you know where you are at all times. Mm-hmm. I'm a fan of that. Okay, That's nice. All right, and for me, I the graphic design is really mm-hmm. clean. I like the artwork. I like the idea of the gameplay. So the excavation zones, I like the. There are five spots in each of the three zones, and one of my favorite aspects is there is a little bit of cooperation. Mm-hmm. There has to be in order to dig deeper. So for each worker or assistant that is placed on each of the five zones, we'll talk about, say, the northern zone uh, to use as an example. There are five spaces. Well, there are five cards in the northern zone. There's one of the Cretaceous period, there's two in the Jurassic, and two in the Triassic period. So if you're going after a dinosaur that is only found in the Triassic period, that means you have to be able to dig down four and five layers Mm -hmm. deep. Well, in order to be able to do that, there have to be four and or five Mm -hmm. workers or assistants in that location. Well, you only get four workers. So there has to be some amount of teamwork mm-hmm. in a sense that if you want to get access to all those cards, you have to have other people help you go into that zone. And then the way those are those happen is maybe I have the first and third spot. Amanda has the second and Ash has the fourth and fifth, let's mm-hmm. say. Well, whoever's first gets to take all those cards from that period into their hand, look at them and choose one of them for each of their discs. So if I'm first and third, I choose the first one, give the deck to Amanda, she chooses one of the four Mm -hmm. that are left, gives it back to me, and then Ash takes the two that are left. So I really like the fact that you have to have that that pseudo-cooperation to be able Mm -hmm. to dig uh, deeper. And there are three different zones and the the composite of the different layers of soil are different. So in other words, the makeup of how many cards are in each mm-hmm. deck, or stack, I should say, not deck, are is different. And so I think that's that's really well done. I think that's really clever and really well implemented mm-hmm. at four and five players. More yes. on the three later. The other thing that I really, really like about this game is the academic conference. So when you go there, you're only allowed to have so many cards in your tableau. Everybody starts to where you can have six dirt mm-hmm. and six fossils. So six face down, six face up cards. So a total of 12 cards. Eventually, you're going to get fossils that you're not going after. Right. So you need to get rid of them. Well, the only place to do that is the academic conference. And regardless of the number of players, there's two spots. So you can imagine in a five-player game, (laughs) that can be awfully tight. Yes. So you go there, you can discard any amount of cards that you wish, from one period, meaning you can discard multiple cards from either the Cretaceous, the Jurassic, or the Triassic period. For each card you discard, you get to move up the prestige track, and that's what's going to allow you to have more than six Mm -hmm. cards in your tableau of each type. Yep. So that's cool. So discarding the cards there, it frees you up to be able to then, on future turns, go excavate some Mm -hmm. more and get more cards. 
Well, the second part of the academic conference allows you to go through and dig through everybody's trash, essentially. So everybody who has discarded cards, they go into a discard pile there in the academic conference, and you get to go fishing. You get to go looking through what everyone's discarded. And maybe there is that elusive, yeah. you know, head of a triceratops that you've been Your looking all card. game for. Yeah. Oh, there it is. Mm-hmm. The catch, you spend two research funds or two victory points for every card that you take from there, and it becomes dirt. So you have to then re-excavate it. It doesn't come to you excavated. Yeah. So I think that's really, Boo. really clever. And <laughs> it, it makes it really hard, but it also gives a little bit of variability to the game that I thoroughly, thoroughly mm-hmm. enjoy. Yeah. And I will say that um, the most cards in front of you that you can have is nine. That's the high, as high as the track goes. So you can well, have nine of each nine type. Nine of each right? type, yeah. yeah. So nine dirt, nine fossils. Which right? if you can get up there... Good You're on doing you. well, yeah. right? Yeah, but then again, you—that means you went to the academic conference and discarded a whole lot of cards, so you yes. wasted some action. So there's that give and take mm-hmm. there. And then there's the collector request, which is the recipe fulfillment mm-hmm. or set collection part. So okay, the collector wants X from X period. Right. Okay, once you collect it, awesome. You're going to score victory points based on what period. It is as far as number of rounds, first four, five or six, or round seven and eight, and it's diminishing returns. But at least, and you discard the specimen, which is kind of a bummer because you lose all that pretty artwork, but you Mm -hmm. also get the victory points. But then there's the museum exhibition. So if you want to give it to the museum to exhibit it, that's awesome because now you get recurring victory Mm -hmm. points as long as you can keep a hold of the specimen. Yeah. What I mean by that is each dinosaur, there are multiple types. There may be two, there may be three different sets of a certain dinosaur within the game. And if you decide to give it to the museum, you discard the specimen and you get that card. So maybe it's the Triceratops. Mm -hmm. And you're going to get some amount of victory points based on, at the end of each turn, based on how many actual exhibits you have, whether it's one, two, or three, which is awesome. You know, getting three or five points every round. However, if somebody else comes in and is like, oh, I got a Triceratops Mm -hmm. too, and yours is newer, they take that from you and you lose, you don't lose any points, you're just not gaining anymore, so it's a risk. Yeah, you're kind of stagnated. So there's a risk-reward, not debate, but, you know, do I get rid of it? Do I try and wait for a request card? Or do I get a request card first, then go digging for a specific dinosaur? There is a debate. It's just an internal one. Right. (laughs) So, yeah, there's definitely a lot to like about this game. Um, A very small footprint. It plays within a couple hours. Definitely enjoy certain aspects of the game. Yeah. However, on the flip side of things, I really question how valuable the museum exhibits can be and the fact that they can be stolen. And the fact that if you just happen to be going after the same one that somebody else is going for. The number of dinosaurs, it would be, it's bizarre how often you go over after the same ones. Yeah. Maybe there's just a psychological, Mm -hmm. oh, I like this. Oh, I like that one too. Oh, I know what that one is. (laughs) But the fact that it can be stolen away from you and it's, Mm -hmm. even though it's recurring points, it's really hard to make dinosaurs in this game. It's Mm -hmm. really hard to get whole specimens. And so to have all your work go away and have that stolen from you and now you have to start over, that is crippling. Yeah. And I, I just question whether or not having museum exhibits is worth as much early in the game as just fulfilling requests for 15, 20 research points or research funds as a one time you don't have to worry about anyone stealing it from you. After four plays, I still have some serious reservations about that. And then there's my biggest gripe with the game. And this kind of tag teams with scalability. The game does not scale, mm. meaning whether it's three, four, or five players, nothing changes. Whether it's number of assistants or workers that you get, number of available spaces on the board, nothing changes. Yeah. And here's the problem with the smaller player count. So I explained in excavation, there's got to be some amount of piggybacking to be able to go in to if you're trying to get a 
a specimen from the Triassic period. Well, with, say, three players, it's only 12 discs, Mm -hmm. whereas in a five-player game, there's 20 discs. It's hard. So it's really hard to dig deep, and there's nothing you can do about Mm -mm. it. And even if you do dig deep on your own, using all four discs in one zone, there's no guarantee that the dinosaur you're looking for is going to be in there. And even if the dinosaur you're looking for is in there, it might not be the right piece. Yep. And... I feel like that was completely undercooked and mm-hmm. underdeveloped it, and it a real like disappointment because yeah. the fact that the game doesn't scale at all mechanically mm-hmm. means I just don't have any interest whatsoever in playing this game at three players. No, that that, it, that completely took that player count off the table. Um, Either that or it or you basically, just dig through the whole thing, no matter how many people are there. But again, that's you're, now you're talking variants, yeah. and I shouldn't have to play a variant yeah. just to make it work. Or you just completely discount one-third of the dinosaurs that are in the game, i.e. the Triassic period, because it's just too far to dig. Yeah. It's just not feasible in the lower player counts. And that just doesn't make sense mm-hmm. to me. So those really are my two only real gripes about the game is... Having your your exhibit stolen from you, and one of the things that the publisher told me is that you run a risk if you go for a two-piece uh, specimen at a, as a museum exhibit, those are easy to get stolen yeah. from you because somebody only needs two pieces, whereas the three and four require so much more work and a lot of luck mm-hmm. for your dinosaur to be able to be in there that it's less likely to get stolen. My question, though, is... Thematically, I get why it's there, but it just has always felt that the requests are so much stronger, and and that's it. I mean, if somebody gets out to a lead, a sizable, a reasonably sizable lead, because they drew better, right? Because their dinosaur happened to be in the in the dirt that's there. Mm-hmm. There's no catch up. There's no catch up mechanic, and that's why we said earlier that the game feels like it plays too long because. You, it, they just might be because of the sliding scale on the collector requests. If you fulfill one that would be worth, say, 20 points early in the game, maybe it's only worth 10 points or eight points late in the game. And if somebody's nine or more points ahead, well, you're sunk. There's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. And that's that's just not fun at all. And it wasn't from good play, it was just luck of the draw yeah. that they they happen to have their dinosaur in the pieces and mine were still in the draw deck yeah it's just like you said it's just it's just blind dumb luck at that point there's nothing that you can do about it and that is frustrating when there's nothing you can do to mitigate yeah and i love the theme about this Mm -hmm. game uh i i really like the artwork in it and the graphic in the in the concept of the game yeah it's really cool but there's a couple of things here that just feel underbaked mm-hmm. and ultimately left me kind of cold felt like stone cold like you've been buried for a long time cold go with that <laughs> well see i i liked it a little bit more than you but it's still the museum exhibitions getting stolen and the endless sometimes unfruitful digging for fossils which thematically makes total sense it makes complete sense but when you've been trying for 30 45 minutes and you still can't then you can you can get a little frustrated and that's but that's part of it you have to go in knowing that but it still doesn't make for fun no so what would you rate the game (sighs) ma'am I probably rated a three. It's and, it's not something that it's not something I'm gonna go like go out of my way to get people to play. But if somebody you know if more than three other people want to play it, then I'll play it, or you know, or something. But I'm not gonna like we have to play this game. And for me, I guess it's a three as well because it's it's definitely not a me thing. Um, it's not a game. It, it's very much a game thing. Yeah. And so it, it should, and it's not a one. I, I definitely, I think there's much better, you know, there, there's more to it here than, than would deserve that. So to me, it falls into a three that, you know what, there's some really cool ideas here. It's just, it needs further development and it could be just, just something as simple as you get more discs, you get more workers yeah. with less players or something as simple as that. And then I feel like the, 
the collector requests and museum exhibitions just need to be balanced a little bit this better. This just feels like it needs to just be tweaked just a little bit. Yep, on both of those two things, and I think you'd have a really solid, mm-hmm. uh, really clever, really cool, fun, enjoyable worker placement game. I agree with but that. As it is right now, no, I can't recommend this yeah. game. So that is Lagerstatten. ended the year on a note it kind of did but you know what i'm okay with that I, it's it, the doesn't, truth, it doesn't so. it doesn't mean i'm not excited to play other games we have right. a lot more to play yeah and, and it honestly doesn't mean i'm not excited to play logger again because i am i i'm not if somebody else wants to play it okay well that's you i'm not gonna go ask but okay. you know if somebody wants to mm-hmm. <laughs> all right so we have reached the end of the internet or as it were the end of the year for us we have reached the end of 2017 for a heavy cardboard yes so well i guess first things first merry christmas happy hanukkah happy holidays whatever it is you celebrate mm-hmm. um happy saturnalia if that's your thing happy happy everything yeah just hey i hope you guys enjoy some time with friends family being able to game. Yes. You know, and happy new year. And let's make 2018 way better than 2017 oh, yeah. across the board. Oh, yes. In every way possible. Yeah. I mean, there's no downside to that, right? No. Better is better. Better is better. So by default, have a better end of the year. And yeah. Have we'll a see better you. year. Yeah. We'll see you guys in 2018. Thanks for the support. Yes. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's going to be a... It's going to be a really, really fun year in 2018 and really excited for y'all to join us for this. So see you guys next year. Thank you so much for everything. Happy New Year, y'all. Bye. Later. Later.